0: You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes. This week, Senior Minister Adam Hale continues our Boundless Sermon series with part two of his message from the book of Hosea. Thank you for listening, and as always, we hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Have a great week. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. It has been a good day so far. We had a great service in first service this morning, and just the spirit of worship in that service was excellent. And just uh, one of the things that I try to do from time to time is just sit in a different spot so that I can get just a different perspective of the congregation. And just uh, so I've enjoyed watching you all worship this morning. Um, I know that sounds kind of creeperish, but uh, but I have enjoyed just watching you all worship this morning. And so uh, it's been a good morning. This week we're uh, in week two of our series called Boundless as we're going through the book of Hosea. And last week we began this series by simply taking a, a, sh- a short look at the life of Hosea um, that we read about it there in the Old Testament. And we saw that Hosea had a wife named Gomer. And so we all quickly agreed that Hosea had to be a good man, because if he would marry someone named Gomer, then then you're obviously, you're, you're a better man than me, I'll put it that way, and so Gomer uh, Gomer had her issues though, as we saw last week, we saw that Gomer was a uh, a prostitute, and that that Hosea, even though that would have been plenty of reason for him to give up on his marriage, to, to walk away from the marriage, he didn't. In fact, he stayed in the marriage. And, and, he, and God used that relationship between Hosea and Gomer to illustrate how God's people had committed adultery uh, with, with God. And then the thing that we saw at the, at the end of the message last week was that oftentimes where we want to put the end, we want to say the story's over, that, that the relationship's over, that, that I'm just done with this, I'm done with whatever, we want to put the end. And Hosea could have done that. He could have put the end at the end of that, but he didn't. Instead, he waited because God had said, but then. And so we're, we're gonna that's going to resonate again uh, this week. We're going to look uh, at a, another passage of Scripture here in Hosea. Actually, we're going to finish chapter 1 and, and get into the first verse of chapter 2. And so if you missed last week and you feel like maybe you're, you're behind, go ahead and you can listen to it on the, on the website, or even better than that would just be to go back and open up your Bible and read the book of Hosea itself. Um, God's word will certainly speak much stronger than my words, and so, um, so this would be a great opportunity for us to read maybe a prophet that we don't necessarily pay that much attention to this more, uh, that often, but... So, this morning we're going to get into it, so let's just, let's just get into what the Word says. We're going to start in verse 3 of Hosea chapter 1. This week we're going to meet the rest of the family, so to speak. And so we're going to, we're going to see uh, Hosea's children. So let's begin with verse 3. The words are on the screen, but you can also turn in your Bibles to, to Hosea chapter 1. Verse 3 says, So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of blame. And which we can just stop for a moment there and say we would all agree with that, right? Because he would be blame. For giving his daughter that kind of name. I know that's a mic joke, but like I, I appreciate the laugh. Thank you. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I'm about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders that he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence and I will, bre- I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. All right, so this is child number one, a son named Jezreel. You know, when couples find out that they're going to have a baby, they often will uh, use all sorts of different resources to come up with a name. Oftentimes, it's a, it's a family name that they name their child after. Uh, it's, it's a name that has strong meaning to their family. Uh, my son Noah, his middle name is Cole, and so he's the third straight generation to have that middle name because it's a family name. Uh, my dad's great-grandparents, their last name was Cole, and so we've, we've decided to keep that as part of our, our family heritage. My son Eli, his middle name is Clay, and that just because we, we took that from a verse from Isaiah 64 because of um, a prayer that Christy and I prayed when she was pregnant with Eli, and we'd found out a, about a medical condition that he might have, and God had worked and intervened in that situation. So both of their names, especially their middle names, have, have significant meaning to, to my wife and I. You know, lots of people uh, find names for their children in different areas. Uh, some use historical events. Um, some use significant people in culture at the time. Uh, my my father-in-law Norbert is named after somebody that was relevant in pop culture when he was uh, when he when his mother was pregnant with him. Now that was. A long time ago, and so I don't know that much about pop culture from that time, so I don't know who, who she was talking about. But it still happens in our day and age. I read just this week, just this week, that uh, a rise in Baby names are coming from the Marvel movie characters. Of all the, pe- of all the places you can pick names from, they're picking it from superheroes. So uh, Parker has become a popular name among boys, named after Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Banner, has become a popular name among boys, Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Um, There's even um, Hawkeye has become a popular name. Now, I remember, I I am old enough to remember M.A.S.H., and so if we were going to name somebody Hawkeye, I would have named it after M.A.S.H. and not not the Avengers. But regardless, you know, people find sources for names from all over the place. Some use uh, important cities, to important cities in their life. Um, names like Alexandria and Charlotte and Austin and Madison and Phoenix. Those are all names that have, have grown in popularity because of important cities. And that's where we see the name of this first child come from, Jezreel. Jezreel was a city in ancient Israel. In fact, it was home to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. It was home to their palace. And when King Jehu seized Jezreel, he did so uh, with much violence. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 9 and 10, but I'll, I'll give you a short overview. We, if you know anything about uh, Ahab and Jezebel, you know that they were not good people. If we call somebody today, if we call a lady a Jezebel, that's not a term of endearment. And it comes from this queen's uh, reputation. And when Jehu seized the city of, Je- of Jezreel. He saw, he saw Jezebel sitting up in the palace window and he told the guards, the palace guards, to throw her out of the window. And so they did. They threw her out of the window to her death. And in fact, when he got to her remains, he found that the dogs had already beat him there and that all was left was her bones because the dogs had already eaten her. Then he's, he decided that Ahab... We, we had to do something with the rest of Ahab's descendants, so he ordered his men to, to round up all of the descendants of Ahab and kill them. And so they killed them, and they brought all of their remains to the palace gates and set them outside of Jehu's uh, palace. And so this name Jezreel was going to be an important reminder to the people of Israel about their, about their incredible violent past, all because of their, result, of their decision to step out and not follow God's word and to step out and not follow God's law. All of the things that happened to the Israelite people that happened under the reign of Ahab and Jezebel happened because they committed adultery on God. They stepped out of their relationship with God. And so this was going to be an important reminder to the people of Israel. Let's meet the second child. Verse 6 begins, soon Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved, For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them, but I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons or armies or horses or charioteers, but but by my power as the Lord their God. Now, how's that for the name of your first daughter? You know, there's a special bond that takes place between a father and a daughter, especially that first daughter and I don't know any real dads that that do not love their daughter of course I mean I know men who have who have fathered children who who could care less about them but I don't know any real dads who do not care about their daughters much less would give them a name like not loved and so this was going to be a very important reminder to the Israelite people that this was a consequence for their sins that God was removing His his protection, that God was removing His his power, His forgiveness, His love from them because they had decided that they didn't want anything to do with God anymore. It was almost as if God was saying, okay, look, you don't want anything to do with me, that's fine. You have to make your own mistakes, you have to learn from your own, own mistakes, that's fine. You go ahead and learn from them. But when you learn those mistakes... And you need my protection and you need my, my power. You need my love. You need my forgiveness. It's not going to be here because you've made this choice. Parents, you all understand this. You want to protect your children at all costs, don't you? But there are some lessons that your child must learn simply because by experience, right? There are some things that no matter how much you tell them, don't do it. No matter how much you tell them, it's going to hurt or the consequence is going to be this. They still have to do it, right? And that's the only way that they'll ever learn the lesson. My dad had a habit of saying, Adam, don't do that. Don't do that, Adam. It's going to hurt. Don't do that. And then he said, okay, but if you do it, don't come crying to me about it. Any Anybody have that dad? That was my dad all the time. If you're going to do this, don't come crying to me about it. You know how many times it took me to touch a hot stove? Once. I was about seven years old, very well, well enough to know better. And I was messing with the stove in, in our living room. And dad said, don't touch that, Adam. It's going gonna, it's gonna to burn you. I got closer. and He said, Adam, don't touch that. He said, all right, if you touch it, go ahead, but don't come crying to me about it. And you know what I did? I stuck my hand right up on there, and it hurt. And I turned around to Dad, and he said, uh uh-huh. Don't come crying to me about it. I told you don't do that. There's some things that we can only learn by experience. And that's what God's saying here with, with uh, Loruhama. She means not loved. So if, if those two children's names weren't depressing enough, let's read about the third child, because there is a third one, the last one. Verse eight says, after Gomer had weaned Lo Ruhamah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son, and the Lord said, name him Lo Ami, which means not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. Again, this is God simply saying, if you don't want to be my people, you don't have to be my people. If you don't want to be my people, I won't be your God. But the, there will be consequences for your actions. So if you don't want to be my people, okay, don't be it. But know that you're going to have to deal with consequences. This was a this was a verbal reminder. All three of these names are verbal reminders to to the Israelite people of their actions. You know, we all have things that remind us of 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 bad choices. I have a scar on my right shin um, from a. It's the result of goofing around on a four-wheeler. When I was about 14 or 15, we were out riding four-wheelers and I was hot-dogging it and trying to do all sorts of things to impress a girl and wasn't real smart. And eventually, I, I flipped my four-wheeler and my shin went through the, uh, the foot bar. And so I have a nice little scar there and it's a reminder to me of a stupid decision that I made. I'm sure that some of you have those similar scars. They're reminders to you of, of painful things that you have learned and that you've experienced. And God is using the names of these three children as a reminder to the Israelite people of their choice to leave God, to prostitute themselves out to false gods and to foreign leaders. These names are judgment against the Israelites for their sins, which is a great reminder to us that just because our sins are forgiven doesn't mean that our sin still doesn't have consequences. God said, these are going to be your consequences. This is the judgment for your sin. And that doesn't mean that there is no forgiveness for them because God is, is capable of forgiving anything. But, but we understand this, don't we? That sometimes our sin, even though it may be forgiven, doesn't, it still comes with consequences. A, a husband or a wife that steps out on their marriage, they may be forgiven by the other spouse. But the lack of trust that is now in that relationship or the end of that relationship is a consequence of that decision, of that choice, that action. Bernie Madoff, you know, he, he committed fraud against uh, thousands of people. And he may have been forgiven by a number of those people. But it doesn't get him out of prison, does it? Their forgiveness doesn't get Bernie Madoff out of prison. In fact, just the opposite the consequence for his, his fault, for his sin, is that he must spend the rest of his life in prison. When we fail to follow God's moral standard that He set forth for us in His Word, we subject ourselves to consequences that may be long-lasting. And the names of these three children would be reminders of the consequences of the Israelites' actions that they would face because of their sins. And it's a reminder to us today that even though our sins may be forgiven, there are still consequences. You know, there's something powerful about hearing your name spoken. There's there's just something... um, that, that can bring a lot of joy when you hear somebody say your name, when somebody remembers your name. I, when I was uh, ministering in Cumberland County, there was a man that came to our church, and he was a fairly well-known man in our community, although I had not met him. And a couple days later, I saw him in the grocery store, and so I went up and I introduced myself to him and just said, Hey, Wesley, how you doing? And he said, You know, there's something about hearing your name being spoken by someone else in, in a joyful manner. That's the sweetest sound in the world, and so I've always remembered that. And so I've always tried to make a point to remember people's names and to and to say, you know, their name when I when I speak to them. I don't always do such a great job at it, but but it's something that there's just there's a a joyful feeling that people get when they hear their name spoken of in, in a kind sense. And just the opposite of that is true too, because any of you have the parents that when you were in trouble, you got the first and middle name called. Right? So there was something terrifying uh, when my mom would come in from work and she'd come to the bottom of our steps and she'd say, Adam Cole, anything you want to tell me today? And even if there wasn't anything that I wanted to tell her, I would confess everything that I had ever done. And I did that until I, I was about in the seventh grade and my sister finally said, you know, Adam, she doesn't know anything. You're just telling on yourself. But imagine that, that every time Hosea would, would call out his Kids' names. You know, maybe he's just in the backyard throwing a ball with, with his boys because what dad doesn't want to play catch with his son? And he calls out to Jezreel, which some people have translated to mean no mercy. He calls out, hey, no mercy. Or, hey, uh, not my people. What a reminder that would be to him uh, and, and the people in their community of every time those names were mentioned, of their sinful past, of the consequences of their of their past. Maybe when Hosea was, you know, he's getting ready to, to send a Loam or lo Ruhama out to prom for the first time. And he says, hey, hey, I, I just want to give you some advice. And so, not loved, because that's what her name meant, not loved. Hey, I just want to give you some fatherly advice. Even when he wasn't, they weren't in a situation where they were in trouble. Their names still had these reminders of, of their Of their past. You know, I bet he. You know, Jose probably didn't get the the jerseys when they were when his boys were on the Pee Wee football team and they had their names on the back of them. I bet he didn't get the the jersey that said "Dad of and of not of no mercy or not my people." I bet he didn't do that. I bet uh, not loved didn't get invited to a lot of sleepovers or birthday parties. Can you imagine writing that on the invitation? Uh, not loved. You are cordially invited to. No, they probably didn't because their names were were verbal reminders of the sins of the past. Their names were, were also a call to repentance, a call to turn away from the ways that they have lived. And, and, and that's the beautiful thing, is that even in the midst of, of God pronouncing judgment on these people, they were called to a Repentance. And look at what, what Hosea says in verse 10, what God says to Hosea in verse 10, because this is, this is important, because even in the midst of repentance, God's ultimate goal is still to draw his people to him. So look what he says in verse 10. It says, yet, yet the time, yet the time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Now, if that sounds, if that passage of Scripture right there rings a bell to you, it's because it's, it should be familiar to us, because it's the p- verse that, Uh, The same verse that God said to Abram when he made the promise that he was going to bless Abram and he'd give him many descendants. He said, your descendants will be like like the grains of sand on the beach. There'll be too many to count. Like the stars in the heavens, there'll be too many to count. And even in the midst of of pronouncing judgment and, and calling his people to repentance, God is still reminding them of the promise that he made to them. And that's good news for us because God is a faithful God. And the promise that He makes to them is, if you repent, this promise is still good. If you come back, this promise is still good. This is the but-then moment for Hosea. This is the but-then moment for his children and the but-then moment for the children of Israel. Their names are awful reminders of their past life. But God reminds His people of the promise that He makes to them. And so don't miss what happens next. He says, if you repent, this this promise is still good. And then, then watch what happens. It says, The rest of verse 10 says, Then, we could say, but then, then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together, and they will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile together. And what a day that will be, the day of Jezreel, when God will again plant His people in His land. Even in the midst of calling His people to repentance. In the middle of pronouncing judgment, God's ultimate motive is to draw His people back to Him. He says right here, He says right here in this place where you you were given the name, not my people. If you come back, if you repent of your sins and you turn away from your evilness, you will be called my people. You will get your identity back. And that's good news for us because the same is true for us because let's be honest about it. We have some evilness in our, in our own lives. We would like to justify it and we might try to downplay it and say, well, you know, I, I'm not really that evil. I, I, yeah, I, I've told some lies before, but you know, they're little white lies. Well, a lie is still a lie, right? Paul says that the wages of sin is death and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what we all deserve is to die. What we all deserve is separation from God. And God says if you repent of that, If if you're willing to turn away from that, then you can come back and you can be known as my people. You can be known as my children. And when we do that, when we come back into the house, when we come back into the family, things are different. When we turn away from our evilness, we're saying to God, we're going to live differently. We're going to be different. And that's exactly what happens. We turn around and we're different. And when we come back into the family, things are different. And so notice what's written at the end of of, uh, or At the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In that day, what day? The day of Jezreel, the day where, where they have repented. In that day, you will call your brothers Amma, which means my people. And you will call your sister Ruhamah, the ones I love. On that day when we come back to the Father, when we repent, when we turn away from our sins, our names change. Lo am I now just Amma, my people. Loru Hama, now no longer not love, but the ones that I love. The change of these names is significant in showing that God desires a relationship with his people. You know, it wasn't uncommon for God to, to change the names of people when they had enc- encountered and entered into a relationship with his people, with God. When, when God entered into a covenant with Abram and he made that promise that, you know, I'm going to bless you, you're going to have so many descendants you won't be able to count them, he changed his name called him abraham when god entered into a relationship with joseph and he said you're going to be the 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 leader of the people of these people he changed his name and he called him israel when uh, peter confessed that jesus was the son of god um, his name was simon and when he made that confession jesus said i'm going to change your name i'm going to call you peter which means rock and upon this rock i'm going to build my church when saul was going around and he was persecuting all the christians and he's he's killing people left and right and he has this Damascus Road experience. He, he becomes a Christian. He turns away from his sins. And he becomes one of the greatest church planners we've ever known. He changed his name to Paul. The, the change of name is significant. to, And it shows that God desires a relationship. Not just an experience, but God desires a relationship with us. When we become followers of Jesus, we take on a new name too. We wear the name Christian. Not, not uh, because that it's a symbolic. Not it's not a symbol of where we go to church. It's a symbol of who we follow, who we have a relationship with. It's God's way of saying that our name is more significant than just an experience. That our name is more significant than uh, than any other thing that we could have in this life. Our, our names are worth something. You know, I've been told that if your reputation is your good name is is really all you have in life. And if you ruin that, then you don't have much. And we know that to be true, right? Somebody that has a good reputation, you, you'll, you'll trust them, you'll believe them, you'll do what they say, you'll, you'll do things for them. Someone that doesn't have a good reputation, they don't have a good name, we tend to dismiss them, don't we? Why? Because of their name. And God says, if you come back to me, you return from your evil, you repent of your sins, you will have the name Christian because God desires a relationship over an experience God desires a relationship with us over an experience with us relationships are better than experiences don't believe me Uh, follow this uh, train of thought to go to a wedding is an experience right but to be married requires a relationship to give birth to a child is an experience but to be a parent requires a relationship to go to church is an experience. But to be a follower of Jesus requires a relationship. Relationships are better than experiences. Now, don't get me wrong. Experiences can enhance our relationship. But they don't simply make a relationship. If that were the case, then any time we had a bad relationship or a bad experience, that would be the end of the relationship, wouldn't it? Let's, let's be real honest with ourselves. If, if uh, we have a bad church experience, which people often do, if, if the sum of our relationship was based on our experiences, the first time we had a bad church experience, that would be the end of Jesus, right? Many of you are here this morning in this church because you had a bad church experience somewhere else. And there are many people in Hardin County, tragically in Hardin County, that, that had no intention of getting up and going to church because they had a bad experience at some church. But the good news is that, that our relationships are not the sum of our experiences. Our our relationship is predicated on one person's experience. On on Jesus' experience. It's not based on anything that we could have done. Our relationship with God is not based on anything that we could have done. Not based on any of our experiences. It doesn't matter how many times we come to church. Although I'm going to tell you, you should come to church. But but coming to church, let's just be real honest with it, coming to church doesn't mean you have a relationship with Jesus. There are plenty of people that come to church every Sunday, they get their check mark, and it doesn't make a difference Monday through Saturday in their life. That's the reality. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Having a relationship with Jesus is what makes us Christians. That's what gives us that name. And our relationship with Christ is not based on any of our experiences, but on the one experience that Christ had, that while we were still sinners, He died for us. And He did that because He desires a relationship with us. God desired a relationship with the Israelite people. And He desires one with us today. And so regardless of what your experiences have been, whether whether they've been good, bad, indifferent, whatever, regardless of whatever your experiences have been in life with with each other, with the church, God desires a relationship with you. And He wants to give you the opportunity to to return to Him, to have a relationship with Him, to get rid of the names that guilt and shame might give us, to get rid of the names that other people might give to us, and to wear a new name. The name Christian. This morning we're going uh, to stand and sing in just a moment. And we're going to offer a time where you, you're going to have the opportunity to, to wear that name. Maybe you've never accepted Christ before. And I, and I understand most of us here have. Most of us are here because we have accepted Christ. But maybe you, you've never made that commitment to be, a, be a, a real follower of Christ. Maybe you need to take that next step in your relationship. And begin to wear the name of Christ proudly. To wear that name Christian proudly proudly and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that and if you need to if you need to come forward and make a public confession to make a public decision then we'll pray with you and we'll talk about what the next step might be but but many of you most of us in this room most of us in this room just simply need to where we're going to be standing just to make the commitment to say i'm going to follow christ and i'm going to wear the name christian proudly and that name is going to be a reminder to me of who i am who i belong to and it's going to be a reminder to the people around me of who they can belong to too. So this morning, would you stand with me and would you sing? And if there's a decision that you need to make, we, we encourage you to do so.